Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our spoiler review for episode four of Moon Knight here from the Geek Buddies. Well, we're back again here all together after uh, Shannon and I held down the fort last week, and we are to talk about the tomb episode four and where everything changes in this series. You know, we talked about the fact that Hey, how are they going to kind of wrap up these storylines? They only have so many episodes left. How are they going to shove everything in there? And just when you thought, okay, they're maybe kind of showing us a path out of the situation, the show completely changes, and we're definitely going to break it all down for you all and uh, do it in a spoiler way. So this is your first spoiler warning. If you haven't watched the episode uh, four of Moon Knight, go and watch it on Disney Plus and come on back and hang out with us. But let's introduce ourselves first. I am uh, the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here. On the Geek Buddies, Mike? I'm the in-law, Mike Vogel, uh, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClellan. Boy, Kalinowski's not heard that joke before. He's really enjoying that. First time I heard that one. <laughs> Seven seasons, no one made it in this in in showdown. Go ahead. <laughs> this is Shannon McClung. Uh, I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can currently see some of my work. Under the stewardship of Mr. Michael Vogel on Netflix with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City. Yes. Woo! And joining us uh, back again to hang out with us and talk about Moon Knight is Moon Knight historian, Moon Knight defender. Also uh, <laughs> a guy who is now an author. He's a, he's a writer. He's a producer. He's a host. He's an actor. Incredible. And a champion there in the Schmodown. The great Mike Kalinowski. Mike, how are you? Gentlemen, how are we? I missed you last week. I missed you. Yeah. 
We missed you too as well. Uh, let's talk. You know what? Let's give Kalinowski first crack at this. And and before we do, to remind you all, we are powered and sponsored by Carbon Health. If you uh, have any healthcare needs, any healthcare issues you want to go uh, and get taken a look at, we'll go to carbonhealth.com and see if there's a clinic near you. They've got 100 plus clinics all over the country, 50 plus clinics just in California alone. And they can address you either virtually or in person. And they believe in creating a good, Healthcare plan for you and your physician to follow and you, for you to get the most benefit out of it as well. They also have an app for Carbon Health you can put on your phone and have it in your pocket in case you ever have any issues. You need to have questions answered by your doctor. It's a doc in the pock there. So go to CarbonHealth.com and get squared away. All right, Kalinowski. Yes, sir. Boom, episode four, everything changes. Dare I say it, the most Moon Knight episode of Moon Knight, please tell me what you thought of this episode overall. Tell everybody you thought of this episode overall. <laughs> I'm not a fan of this show. Wow. At all. Statement right off the bat. Okay. At all. I, I saw some hyperbole of Marvel's best television episode yet of all their series. I saw that on Twitter a lot last uh, the other night. Uh, I have to di- I, uh, disagree. Okay. Um, 210 minutes of a show so far. Less than three minutes of a moon night and a moon night show. Um, I said people saying, "Oh, it's a horror movie. It's a horror." It was so good with the horror. I was like, "No, I didn't find the horror in this at all." Um, wow. But I will digress and say that there are people that don't like Moon Knight or no even know Moon Knight, and they're loving it. Yeah. So Marvel does such a good job of taking something and making it palpable for their massive audience, and that was has to be a success. Okay. Uh, because like John, you and I talk, there's 40 yeah. years of this character and I couldn't tell you a definitive version. Like right. this is the definitive version. Right. Um, so they, they know what they needed to do. You know, they, they, they probably looked at it going, Hey, this is not a hugely popular character. We can take some chances and, and do different things. And they did that. So it's just not working for me. I, I okay. struggle through the episodes with falling asleep. Um, yeah. But on, on the other hand, like talking to McClung, like after every episode of whatever show we were watching, Twitter would usually be a good litmus test for me for how like WandaVision within seconds, it's blowing up. Loki within seconds blowing up. Other ones like what if and this, it's the smatterings of, oh, it's good. Yeah, I like that. Oh, that was interesting. And then kind of on to the next thing of what came out today in Geekdom. Okay. So all right. Okay. Uh yeah. Yeah, it's just not it's just not working for me. Fair enough. And we'll dive into that as we go along, Mike. Absolutely. Listen, it's good to have a a dissenting opinion sometimes. When you have these conversations, it leads to some fruitful conversations, I think, in the end. Vogel, thoughts? So we're all on this episode here, The Tomb from Moon Knight. Well, I wasn't here last week, but I will say Mm. I I agree with Kalinowski a little bit on the lack of Moon Knight in a Moon Knight show. Like, I do feel like, you know, four episodes in, I do wish we saw the costume a bit more. We got to see him in action a bit more, get to know him in costume as much as we've gotten to know Mark and Steven and everybody out of costume. I think that's a valid criticism of the show. Uh, You know, last week at the end of the third episode, I was kind of like, okay, like I see where we're going. I see what the show is. And when I started the episode, I actually thought of the review do we were doing today. We, I started the episode and I was like, kind of feel like I'm going to come in on this one and kind of be like, you know, it's fine. I'm enjoying it, but it's not the best of the Marvel shows. I kind of want to see where, it ends up, but you know, it's kind of like the mummy light to me. I'm not really fully engaged. And then the twist happened 
and I'm fully engaged. I, I got all the way in on it. I found it super fascinating and kind of to Kalinowski's point, I was thinking the same thing he was saying about uh, Twitter as a litmus test. And I feel like in the first three weeks of Moon Knight, the response was definitely not on that like WandaVision level where people were like, oh shit. But I would say that today you did see that turning point. Like I think today on Twitter, all of Twitter was like, holy shit, the fuck just happened? What was that? And I feel like they kind of got that water cooler level. Uh, they got to that water cooler level of the TV show in the last part of last night's episode. Uh, and if that, you know, I'd heard from some people internally that like first two episodes strong, middle two episodes okay, last two episodes really stick the landing. So given where we kind of ended up at the end of this week, I am fully back. Like I was kind of falling off the Moon Knight train a little bit. And then I like jumped back into my seat and I was like, all right, order me a drink. I'm ready for the rest of this ride. <laughs> That's good. That's a good analogy. Uh, Shannon, thoughts on this overall? So where do you uh, fall? Do you uh, in the vocal camp? Can I ask you a big camp somewhere farther out or in the middle? Where are you at on this episode? I mean, I think I'm probably in a separate camp in that I love, you know, I love high adventure. I love, I love a smattering of what they're offering i really like the dynamic between mark and steve and i'm really enjoying like the the use uh, the uh, again the technical aspects the use of reflective surfaces the conversation mm -hmm. he's having with steve in the rearview mirror as, as steven's trying to talk with layla i really enjoyed all that i love that mark was able to get control of the body for a little bit to uh enact some revenge on steven now where I will, this is what Kalinowski and I were talking about. I do feel like if the show, and, and maybe it's I'm not following these specific folks on Twitter, um, but at least on my timeline, um, I feel like if the show had been more widely embraced, a big twist like we saw at the end of this episode would have made Twitter blow up. And for mm -hmm. me, it didn't. Like, now, obviously, like, we, we might not be following the same people. Maybe there were a lot of folks on other on other Twitter feeds who are back or who are, you know, fully, um, fully invested in this show. Again, I'm interested with everything. Um, you know, watching, watching that twist, I was kind of like, okay, you know, all right. Uh, uh, but at this point, I mean, it's it and Falcon and winter soldier kind of slugging it out at the, at the bottom of the Disney plus the Disney plus series. And again, there was so much stuff in Falcon and winter soldier that I really liked. I mean, yeah to to say that they're slugging it out on the bottom is not some you know condemnation it's just like okay there were other things in the other shows that worked more for me and again i'm super curious where this is going um so i'm fully i'm fully on board to finish the show well we are all tied now now we've caught up because I, I had watched the first four episodes obviously before we started doing these reviews we're all tied up now. and the thing i tweeted was that and and put on i think i put it on instagram as well is the fourth episode to me was kind of the weakest one of the first four in my opinion because i'm not dialed into the dun, 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 dun. Like, it's just not really my thing let's go find the artifacts of, dun, dun, dun. that kind of stuff really kind of uh, unsettles me well, wait, wait could you do that again what was that <laughs> No, I, I love that, John. Please do again. Um, but but also, I've come to the like, like. But I like what Oscar Isaac is doing. I like the 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 delineation between Stephen Grant and Mark. I like that as after the end last episode, they are now very much in cahoots in the situation. Layla is the thing that's kind of separating them, and that's a fascinating thing where she's falling in love with Stephen, even though Mark is the one that she's married to or about to get divorced to. But they're in the same body. What's that kind of 
um, situation about, all about. Like, I'd love to see what Layla's inner thoughts are, inner conversations are with herself about that situation. We haven't quite gotten that yet, but we go in the tomb, we go and explore this kind of stuff. And to me, it becomes a little weird, and especially the Harrow situation. This is where I think the show is really dropping the ball. Harrow can't just come in and come out with a cane and come in <laughs> and then come out with a cane and be some kind of ruthless villain. It isn't working for me the way they're doing Harrow. Now, the switch at the end of this episode, maybe now we get to understand what Harrow's true villainy is and we see a little more of an extensive time with him on screen. But so far, it's been Ethan Hawke popping up out of nowhere with the cane doing some uh, doing some uh, some magic with purple magic and then rolling on out of there. And to me, it's been a little frustrating uh, overall. But Mia Kalamawe is doing a fantastic job as Layla and her interactions with uh, Oscar Isaac have been so great to watch. So honest to watch. And I don't know about you all, but I had a, she kind of reminds me of uh, Maisie from uh, Arrested Development, right? Or no, maybe, sorry. Maybe from Arrested Development from a certain party, that actress there. And I think she's half Egyptian as well. There's some similarities in their looks and their demeanor. And I was like, Oh wow, this is cool. This is interesting. I can kind of see that. So I found myself kind of really enjoying this performance on so many levels and seeing what she's going to do. But that's, but I was with Michael, I was kind of like, uh, we'll see when I was watching the first four episodes and then that switch happens. And now I'm like, okay, where are we going here? Cause now you have gone, like I said, with Falcon and winter soldier, you have now, Put the tightrope way up out there, and with two episodes left, are you going to be able to successfully walk that tightrope to the point where people are cheering by the time you get across to the other side? That's what I'm hoping for because it is such a massive switch. And, Mike, I think you're right. When Agatha showed up and that's when that turn happened, people exploded on Twitter when that song happened for Agatha. And we didn't get that necessarily as strongly last night for when the switch happened. Or was it Chandra who said that for when the switch happened? It wasn't. It didn't blow up as strongly on Twitter as we have seen in the past. So that's a fair point to bring up for sure. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive in. And this is your last spoiler warning. And we're essentially going to break this episode up into two sections. We're going to deal with everything before the twist and then everything after the twist in two sections here on the show. And we are going to spoil it. So if you haven't seen it, go and watch it and then come on back. Uh, all right, so this is called The Tomb. We start upside down, seeing Khonshu being put on a shelf with other gods. How many gods have been imprisoned by this Ennead? Because there's much more than the missing four gods than we saw in the Ennead. So who are in those, uh, all those uh, Ushaptis? Who are in those Ushaptis? I'd like to know. Layla and Steven are still out on the sand dune. They're passed out from helping, or he's out passed out from helping Khonshu. They're being shot at. She hides out in a truck. Somehow these great people never think to look in a truck for somebody. They'll look all around it. Anyway, she lights a flare, gets their attention, blows them up with the flare, kills more people. Layla's body count is rising. This idea of her being an avatar for Khonshu is now becoming more of a, be- a believable thing in my mind as she is quite willing to kill people who are in her way or to save herself. Um, Mark wants the body. Layla says he'd want to lone wolf it, so they're not going to let him come back into Mark's, bo- uh, into Mark's body because they want to, or into Stephen's body because they want to go and uh, get this stuff squared away in the tomb. They survey the camp. They look for supplies. Mark threatens Stephen that he will kill him if he lays a hand on Layla. Layla is getting Stephen ready, and just when she tries to kiss him, he tells her that Mark is protecting her for her to not be Conchu's avatar. Then Stephen kisses her, which is a little weird. She seems a bit taken aback by that. And then Mark hits her, a la ghost, hits uh, Stephen, rather, a la ghost, for kissing Layla. 
Uh, she leaves a mark on the ground. Uh, uh, she leaves a mark on the ground for her father when Layla goes down into the tomb. She talks <coughs> about her father's death. There are six paths. They find shell casings. All this cu- stuff happens here. Stephen draws the Eye of Horus, which is also the Eye of Mind. What is the uh, uh, what is the Mind Stone there? Uh, are there Doctor Strange connections here? I don't know. But we find out that Amit's final a- Amit's final avatar was a pharaoh. Heka priests on the wall. They see blood tracks, bones on the ground. Stephen climbs up to see archaeological stuff. Uh, and then there are gunshots. And then when we see, we hear it, we see one of the detectives, the Irish detective, I think, who is being dragged onto a altar. He is uh, essentially gutted. And the organs are put into little uh, um, containers, jars. so to speak. Yeah, jars. jars. Layla is kind of making noise as she steps, as she kind of moves around to escape this altar. That thing hears her. Then Stephen distracts it. It goes after Stephen. Then Layla distracts it. It goes after Layla. And they <clears> separate, <throat> run around. Stephen discovers the uh, Alexander the Great, the tomb of the long-lost Ale- the long lost tomb of Alexander the Great. Gets through Shabti out of Alexander's throat. Um, and then Layla comes in after Layla's uh, escaped that thing uh, as she's going across this uh, um, ent- uh, uh, opening. Uh, and uh, Harrow shows up again. Harrow shows up out of the blue. I am. Where, has <laughs> her and says, uh, you know, uh, Mark uh, was involved with your father's death. So Layla confronts uh, Stephen in Mark's body to get Mark to come out. Mark comes out. They have the conversation about it. Layla takes off as soon as they hear these situ- these uh, people coming from Harrow. Mark is left there alone with an axe. He takes out three of the guys, and then he's shot twice by Harrow and falls into the water and ends up uh, uh, back in that uh, um, psych ward, which we'll get to there. So that's essentially all that happens here in this first Just that. Scene. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> so essentially. So let's break it down here. <laughs> Michael, I'm sure you're itching to talk about all of it. So why don't you lead us off here? Jesus. Let's think about a... this whole section and everything that kind of stood out to you here as we uh, discover more about this tomb and about uh, Stephen and Mark and Layla's relationship. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the things out of all of that uh, that stood out the most is, um, you know, I did really like, I, I really am interested in the Stephen Layla of it all, uh, yeah. particularly because, like, what it really means for Mark. I mean, like, Mark, given everything that happened with Layla's dad, with him trying to protect her from Kanchu, with him trying to really, like, push her away to protect her, the fact that this other personality in his body represents everything that she loves. I mean, someone who's more communicative, who's more honest, who loves the same poetry that she does, who has the same interests that she does. Like, I don't think that that's all by accident. It's, you know, they're they're very, very clear in all of that. So the fact that... Uh, as Mark is trying to push Layla away, this other personality is just everything, every part of him that really loves her, I think is really kind of a fun dynamic. Like it's kind of fun to see a love triangle with two people. Um, and I think they, to Shannon's point, I think using the reflection, the way that they do, using the interaction with them, the way that they do, even having Mark punch Steven, like it all worked really, really well for me. Like, I think yeah. it was, it was nice. It was weird when she was like, you smell like him. Cause of course you do. I was like, well, this is getting a little creepy. I was a little uncomfortable there. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. I do think from sort of a plot standpoint, I kind of had this issue in the third episode and at the beginning of this episode, particularly like with the Eye of Horus stuff, yeah. I feel like to get through everything, to get where they wanted to get, which is clearly the end of this episode, they make some big leaps in logic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of like, 
Steven's just standing there and he's looking at the dusty thing and he's like, it's the eye of Horus. And then he draws it and gives us an exposition dump and you're like, okay, cool. But I think to Shannon's point, um, if this were just a, we were going down that Indiana Jones road and we were doing that kind of mummy Indiana Jones archaeological thing, those leaps would bug me. I mean, they do bug me. They would bug me more because I think that they're not necessarily telling that part of the story uh, as well as they could. They're kind of like a character's like, oh, it's this. And they're like, okay, cool, let's go. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess. I guess I didn't quite get all that, but sure. <laughs> um, and then I think when they got to the big room um, and that weird uh, mummified priest came in, I got way more interested. I think that thing was legit creepy. Like, yeah. I don't think I'm going to go as far as to say this was Marvel's uh, epic horror show, but... That thing, and it's kind of like, oh, 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 like raptor thing that it was doing. I was like, I was like, that thing is legit creepy. Like the way it jumped around, the way it was sort of tracking them by noise, like the whole thing. Like it was a really fun, compelling sequence. Um, And then even Layla kind of going over like the chasm and like you sort of seeing it coming around in the back and the hand coming out and searching. Like I thought that was all really fun. I really, really enjoyed all of that. I agree with Harrow. He's like the law of diminishing returns until they do something new with him. Like he yeah. was interesting in episode one. And I thought in episode two, when you were sort of at his little commune and he was being all casual, like, I think we talked about it. I kind of liked that he was being so chill and like, Oh, with I get it. Let lentil me help soup. you out. Yeah. With his lentil soup and his goat. Like that was great. Episode three. You're like, eh, okay. I don't really know why those Egyptian gods believed him, but cool. And in this episode, he's just sort of showing up and you're like, Okay. Like I like he he was way more interesting when we get to the second half of the show uh in the other role that he was playing, I thought. Yeah. Um but uh but I did think like getting that information out about uh kind of what is uh, from what I understand pretty close to his origin in the comics, which is that Mark, you know, did have a partner who did yes. shoot him and the whole thing. And so kind of like getting all that information out there, Layla understanding that, that kind of driving a further wedge in her trust of Mark as she's growing closer and closer to Steven. Thought that was all really, really fun. And then bigger picture, uh, going back to the very beginning of the episode, and I think we talked about it on our main show this week because we were talking about Thor Love and Thunder, which has Gore the God Butcher in it, and we're going to see these other pantheons of gods. Really kind of curious to see what the deal is with these Egyptian gods. Like, there's clearly some big power play happening here. They are clearly sidelining a huge chunk of the Egyptian pantheon of gods. And so I'm curious to know more about what went on with all that was Amit behind all that where, you know, where does Khonshu fall on this? I think that's all really interesting. And then just to, I'm really curious to see where we're going to define Egyptian gods within the MCU since as guardians and now apparently Greek gods are more alien in nature. So I'm kind of curious to see where that all lands. Yeah. And also, I mean, uh, having Alexander the great as your voice, if Alexander the great was the, was Amit's avatar, that's a hell of a thing to consider. I mean, Alexander Great essentially controlled the world, you know, took over the whole world. So what does that mean? How is that history going to play out? And we get a number of um, gods that are, you know, or emperors or empresses that are named here, or pharaohs rather, that are named dropped here. Nefertiti is name dropped here. So a number of them are named as they're going along in this whole uh, sequence here. Kalen, um, uh, what stood yes, out? Sir. We see more of Mark and Steven having these interactions. We see Layla taking more of the alpha dog lead role here with Steven 
getting going into the tomb first, going into these areas, sending Steven up there to go and find the uh, the opening. You know, she's taking more control, and she fights off this uh, mummified priest or whatever that thing is. Uh, it cuts the hand off, avoids getting stabbed, and then eventually sets this. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it sets it over the side. Um, but then, you know, has the conversation with with uh, Harold. So yeah. talk to me what you thought about this whole first section of uh, this show. Yeah, and I think I'm under the the area, like you guys have taught me this about fil- uh, films and this stuff. Like if you're invested in it, you overlook stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you nitpick the hell out of it. And yeah. I'm nitpicking yeah. everything. Like for, for starters, like I love a good adventure romp. I love a good, you know, and so when I see Mark in like this, white windbreaker i like from and i know but when i look at something like this i have to take everything in like the, the production design costume yeah. design it, i love everything so when i see that it, like she's all tacked out with this desert outfit on he and he's like i don't know if it's a white windbreaker i don't know if they're trying to he's moon knight so it's got to be white and flowy i'm like okay doesn't whatever um the chase scene in the desert was cool and then they just redid it in the tomb with them walking around a rectangular object. So I'm like, okay, we just saw that. The guy, that was great. That thing was creepy as hell. Didn't know what the hell it was. Couldn't yeah. see it. Didn't know what it was. And then the chasm chase, I was like, all right, I need geography though. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark, the temple of, you know, in the temple opening where he's going to get the fertility goddess, you see the geography of where he is and what he has to accomplish with her. I'm like, is she on a ledge? But are there crevices that this thing can go in and out of? Mm. And it's like, I couldn't tell the geography of what this was. So I'm like, what's going on here? It was cool. She got pulled in and got pulled back out. Uh, Harrow, I got to say this. And maybe last episode, it kind of dawned. I mean, I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys. I think for me, a big reason this show doesn't work. I think Oscar Isaac was miscast. Wow. I just, I love him as an actor. I've seen him play menacing in five minutes in Born Legacy. He's been this menacing killer in five minutes with very little dialogue. I've seen him be charming in movies. I've seen him be an action hero in star Wars. Yeah. Last episode when he had that fight on the balcony, it was so, I don't know if it's badly choreographed or he just didn't look like he knew how to do the action. He's too good looking to be the quirky guy. That's the nebbishy guy. So I think a lot of it stems from me that Oscar Isaac just doesn't click as me in the role. Like he hasn't, embrace like I, I don't look at him and i'm like this is mark specter like chris evans is captain america mm. so and again i have high spe- high expectations of this show of what i wanted to see so a lot of it's just not gelling with me and, and i and i wish i could say that it did but okay yeah i'm i'm, I'm the voice of dissension i, I know i'll probably get ripped apart but oh, it's all right it is what it is it's good hey. to have a different point of view yeah every hundred acre wood needs an eeyore man oh my god what? I love he's saying it with his drink in his Jesus. Uh, uh, Shannon, thoughts on this first section of the show? A lot was revealed here about the, um, as Michael mentioned, the uh, uh, the truth about what happened to Layla's father. And we do have um, uh, Harrow name-dropping Layla's father, calling her my little scarab, remind, you know, talking about the fact that she could prove now that Egyptian gods walk among us as human beings. So there's that little uh, a nugget that's dropped as well. But then we see this whole desecration of the Alexander the Great's tomb, which is this long lost tomb, but they seem to use it for what they need to use it for. Roll on out. So you as the writer of it, this kind of adventure stuff as, as a who has a special proclivity to love this kind of stuff. Did you enjoy this first section of this episode? I love what they're trying 
to do and, okay. and just purely from the adventure point of view i love what right. they're trying to do and they're not necessarily sticking the landing to what vogel said about you know sort of the eye of horus is like well there's six senses we got six paths because it's a maze like okay <laughs> like, you, you, didn't, you didn't really need all that i mean you can just find two you can find two things that got the heck of priest comes out what you go one way you go the other way like you, you don't you don't need all that, but I get why you're doing it because it's like, okay, it's the eye of Horus. Like that's, that's something that's a, that's a visual aid that the audience knows. Right. Um, I, there, there are some, to me, kind of baffling directorial decisions. Um, like her getting in the truck. Like I said the same thing about her getting in the truck. I was just like, I get that. That was you weird. Know, right. Yeah. It, it's not like <laughs> Mark or uh, Steven is the one that sort of distracts them enough I, I don't know as a sequence i'm like this this is a little this is a little muddy i think there's a way to condense and streamline this whole thing and make it make a little more sense um i don't want to insult anybody but it's the writer's cop out to make the villains stupid uh, you know make make them smart and find an ingenious way out of them and, and it'll elevate your character for finding well, an ingenious way out of the situation. Yeah, they're right. tr they're trying to build the tension. That's why they sort of elongated that sequence. Like yeah, they're yeah. trying to build the tension. They're just not doing it that great, right. um, in my opinion. Again, I'm sure there's folks that that loved it. Um, I will say her lighting the flare, Layla. I mean, she looked like a badass. I yeah, mean, she, the, yeah. the moment where she, you know, she's able yeah. to toss how it many, into the in, into the ammo. How many of you? How off. many of you when she did it? How many of you when she did it? Just in your head went Ian Freeze. From Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was actually uh, thinking more something more recent. I was thinking the Batman. Me too. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Just to piggyback off McClung and what I said, like I think and her, like John, you said, like they took Marlena's origin and gave it to Layla, but yeah. she's so good in the role. Right. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. She's phenomenal. She's, like she I kind of want she's her to get enjoyable. the Moon Knight suit and make I, her. Kalinowski, I've been seeing that from a lot of people on Twitter who are like, I want to follow Mia Kalamawi's adventures, yes. not Moon Knight's adventures. Yes. That's so, not what you want to hear if Moon Knight is your Right. Guy. So I don't want to think I'm all crapping on this because her, I'm invested in her and she they yeah. changed her completely from the comic. Oh yeah. But I'm on board. Yeah. She's 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 excellent. Yeah. And you know, again, watching that love triangle with two people, and it's really, it's really enjoyable. And there's some really <clears throat> there's some really strong comic moments in this when yeah. Steven's like, Yep, just me and you, the open road, and she immediately nails the brakes and he flies forward. Like that's that's a good that's a good solid joke. Now, directorially, they do something um when they get to the camp where it's like they're looking, you know, they're looking for supplies. We get another great Stephen Mark um, exchange. Yeah. And then as she's kind of, as Kalinowski said, kind of tacking up, the camera goes down and something that's not in her, you know, uh, uh, POV, we see blood and then it lingers on this tool. Yeah. And it's, it's a really baffling decision. So I'm like, all right, we saw that. Yeah. We don't necessarily need to see this. We know they're we know they're in the the tomb already. Like I don't know what that got us. Like that just seemed like an odd that seemed Maybe like an odd foreshadowing decision to me. of what we're going to see from that priest cutting up the I mean, but Irish why? But, but why? Yeah, yeah. Or, no, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, like you know, we get a much more visceral reaction, like when Steven sees it, and he says, yeah. <laughs> "I wrote this." Like this is one of the, one of the grossest lines ever uttered on film. Little chunks of meaty bits after he <laughs> sees the fresh blood on the altar. I'm like, oh, that is the grossest thing. <laughs> um, again, the whole Eye of Horus thing. This is the type of thing. If I I feel like I've tried to slip this past Vogel in scripts <laughs> and, and, and he, he 
uh, drops the hammer <laughs> when it's just like, I love what, I love what you're trying to do. Do it completely differently. Cause, cause you're trying to cheat right now, <laughs> which I mean, he's totally, he's totally yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's an episode of strawberry shortcake that is not on Netflix yet. Um, but it, it, it's uh there there was a whole back and forth where i had kind of written myself into a corner and vogel was sort of like figure it out <laughs> this, <laughs> this was your idea um but once like once the uh, mummified heck of priest gets in like that it reminded me of the zombies from world war z that yeah sound yeah. which was great like that was a really really fun strong sequence um, I thought it was curious that they kept that thing in the dark so much yeah. because I'm guessing yeah. that budgetarily, maybe they were not happy with how it looked. I mean, you get the one when she kind of stabs it in the eye with a flare that you get a, a better glimpse of it. But I'm like, why not show that? Like, this yeah. is this is fun. Like this Moon Knight, especially like with that jackal creature in the first episode, I'm like, show it. Yeah. Joe, it's yeah. like this is the stuff that we this is the stuff that we want to see. Um, the hero. Layla scene, even though I, I fully, you know, I remember watching the first episode thinking Harrow's going to be like Thanos. I'm maybe walking that back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still enjoying Ethan Hawke's performance, especially with what, with what comes later, but maybe he's not going to be the, uh, the the next great MCU heavy. Um, But I did like that exchange. I mean, uh, and and a lot of it is because of Kalamale. I mean, she's, she's the one doing, you know, kind of doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, she is. Yeah. When, When they get to the tomb, the whole Alexander, they're, great thing i mean again that is right up my alley like, yeah. i love that stuff my guess is that is the end of the alexander the great references we're probably not going to hear any more about <laughs> that. Uh, unfortunately because i'm like oh i would i would love to find out more about this because that's that's really really interesting and when layla confronts mark about tell me what happened and like you know I don't know if Mark took the body over or if Steven was like, Ooh, I don't want to have this argument. I'm going to peace out. Um, but that moment where he clearly knows more than he's saying, um, that that's a scene that I really wanted. I wanted to see, I wanted to see how that played out. And, you know, again, I don't, it might go the Alexander the great road. We might never, we're not necessarily going to see it in that, in that setting. Um, but yeah, I mean, like with the with the whole adventure angle, um, putting an adventure movie together is not hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, but to put a good one together, like that's why they're that's why like Raiders stands out for you know for, for yeah. years now. That's why there's a Raiders of the Lost Ark that is so revered and beloved, and you know Harrison is 150 years old and they're doing another one, and people are gonna buy it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, um, we don't have any Alan Quartermain, uh, <laughs> much to uh, hey, Chamberlain's we, chagrin and Sharon we had a, chagrin. <laughs> we had to leave. We had to leave extraordinary gentlemen. Yeah, you, oh, you got Raiders of Lost Ark, and then you got Uncharted. Mm. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, look. As far as the, uh, for me now, I'm invested in the relationships, right? So, like we said already, all three of you have said the Layla relationship with Mark and Stephen has been fantastic, and I like that situation and she is doing the heavy lifting because steven is so like you know the whole time (laughs) so she's got to kind of make things happen here and it works and i but with mark coming with a little bit of jealousy i like that mark was initially mad of course as i said 
pulls the Vincent Schiavelli and punches him from Ghost. I like that moment. And then later, I like the growth here when uh, Stephen says, "Are you to Mark? Are you mad? Are you mad?" He goes, "Oh, you kissed her, huh?" When they're looking in the water there by Alexander the Great's tomb, he says, "Yeah, but you also told her the truth, which was unexpected." So this idea that he's starting to care for Stephen as well, you know, because remember, Mark is still getting to know Stephen as well himself in this whole sequence here, so or in this whole uh, series here. So seeing him kind of develop that relationship with him as Layla's falling in love with Stephen, Mark is starting to kind of accept Stephen a little bit more, and I like that. It shows evolution. It shows growth in terms of the writing. But yeah, but some of this stuff seemed a bit disjointed. Like, why are we getting the heck of priests? What's the point of this? If it's if, if for no other reason than to show that she can handle herself and cut off the arm of the dude and stick the flare and, and throw him over, I guess we kind of like establish that. So we're using it to establish that. That's interesting, I suppose, that she kind of you know can handle her own stuff. And then later on, the interactions that uh, Mark has with her where she is confronting him um, and then her emotions. And, and listen, Mia Kalamari rules this episode. She, her, her tears as Harrow is telling her about her father's passing. And she says, are you done? Are you done now? And you can see the two tears just kind of like there on her face. It's really powerful stuff. So she's really getting a chance to shine, which is so ironic in a Moon Knight uh, show. But anyway, let's let's jump to our next section here. Uh, we As he gets shot uh, and he drifts into this kind of uh, Brad Pitt from Snatch uh, into the water there, kind of a disappearance here. We see, we hear Harrow say, I can't save anyone, anyone who won't save themselves. Very curious phrase that we're going to have a callback to in a little bit. He descends into the water, We uh, Mark does, and we cut to some old four by three ex explorer show from what feels like the 1990s with those upper Dutch angle shots. Uh, Roser is the name of the young black kid who is helping Dr. Stephen Grant. This name sounds familiar. He is the adventurer. He also has a British accent. Um, and then a skeleton drops down and uh, we, say, we hear him say that, oh, this is what happens to Montalban because he chose a path agreed. I wonder if that's a shout out to Ricardo Montalban. Then when there's a reference to a statue, an Aztec statue that is a lunar god, uh, I could not write down the name of that statue. So, uh, or, or yeah, so I don't, uh, you guys can figure it out if you want. Uh, then we go to a psych ward and the old guy is there who is there in gold. He is now in human form. He is calling out bingo numbers. We see Donna there as well, wanting another name to be called. We see the female black detective from earlier in the episodes ago. The woman who made Layla's IDs is there drawing stuff. We see the, I think he's Irish, the detective there, uh, who is now alive. We see Mark in a sedated state, sitting in a wheelchair. Layla comes in. He sees himself in the in the reflection in the in the window there. Layla comes in to put stuff on a board. And she's talking about how the movie has been changed five times that week. She's eating something. Uh, and then she realizes that Mark's bingo card is a winning bingo card. She calls it out and says she'll share with him this time. And Mark kind of gets up saying, Stephen, when he looks in the window, uh, we see that Mark is handcuffed to the wheelchair like his, like he was in his bed in the first episode. And he's holding a Moon Knight figure. Uh, and then we see Arthur speaking. Arthur Harrow is actually a doctor here. He's a psychiatrist. He says he borrowed uh, Mark's old VHS there, Tomb Buster. Uh, and we, we see a picture of the town on the wall, kind of art from episode one when, when Stephen first appeared uh, there in that town to kind of elude and hold the scarab away from Harrow. Harrow mentions the production value of the movie, saying they couldn't, you know, not many people probably watched it, which I think is a little bit of reference to Moon Knight. Uh, we don't live in a material world, he says. We live in a psychic world. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, Mark sees the cane 
and Mark starts crawling out, realizing what is happening here, falls down, tries to crawl away from Harrow. It gets stronger and stronger as he crawls, gets up, smashes the window. Harrow says to Mark very curiously that he has been where Mark has been. He has suffered mental issues and panic attacks and, and gone, you know, gone uh, comatose and all of this. Then the two detectives from two episodes ago who are now orderlies try to retrain or retain Mark. He breaks free, runs. We see light swing. He jumps in the room as the detectives walk past. A sarcophagus is being banged on there that is in the room. Uh, and Stephen is in it as the lid comes off. They hug. They look at each other. Great um, editing because they look like they're actually there in the room with each other. It's fantastic. They go down the hallway. They see another more angry sarcophagus. Uh, Jake, anybody? And then suddenly a hippo god emerges. And they scream. So, uh, Shannon, I'll go to you first on this one. What did you think about this whole section here in the mental war? I mean, it's very, you know, it's very usual suspects. Like, it's it, like huh. I had I watched it uh, the, the second time. because I'm like, I recognize Donna right away. I recognize the detectives. But then going back, like even Beck, Mo, uh, Mogart's uh, uh, henchman, oh, he's yes, in there. Beck. He's in, right. he's in there as well. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to kind of pick all the little things <laughs> out, seeing the painting of the, of the uh, Bolivian town. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm curious where it's, I'm curious where it's going to go. And as I was watching it, I was like, I, I'm curious if the big time Moon Knight folks, like you and Kalinowski, like, is this, is this scratching you where you're itch right now? Because I full on thought we were just going to have an Egyptian, Egyptian adventure and like, just sort of acknowledge the fact that, that, you know, he's got some other personalities like lurking inside him. Whereas this like, oh my gosh, is this all in his head? Hmm. And thinking back to um, previous episodes, like when Layla was with the forger, I was like, well, no, that couldn't have been in his head because he wasn't. Is is he constructing a narrative that he's not a part of? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really really interesting. Like that moment that the one sarco- sarcophagus, the upright sarcophagus, was kind of banging, and I was like, oh my gosh, is is this when we get to meet Jake? I was not expecting to see a gigantic hippo uh, at, at the <laughs> at the end of it. Um, but again, like it, it, as much as I don't love all the technical things that they're doing. That was a very interesting reveal that I'm, again, insanely curious how how this show how this show is going to resolve itself. Like, are we going back to the pyramid at all? Is this just sort of a different way for Mark to fight Hera? Like, I'm I'm so confused, but in the best way possible. Yeah, the hospital sequence certainly made me think of uh, Mark Lemire's run uh, from 2016, which is what this show is based on. So we were going to get there eventually, Bogle, right? I mean, it's such a huge part of that run. It would have shocked me if they hadn't found their way to the psych ward. But what an interesting way to find find your way there. But what did you think about seeing all the old characters, all the old actors kind of come back here and all the stuff that Mark uh, kind of experiences here and how quickly he gets his strength back from being in a comatose state to being able to run down halls and hook up with Steven and see this other sarcophagus and scream at the hippo. What did you think about what this means and the symbolism and all of this stuff that's happening here in this sequence? Well, yeah, at first I think it was just, it was great how jarring it was. Like you see Mm -hmm. him kind of floating up to that light and then you see the light as a flashlight and then you're all of a sudden in this like crappy VHS movie and I like sat up. Like I was like watching it and I like sat up and I'm like, the fuck? 
fuck is going on? And then you start getting the references. You hear Dr. Stephen Grant. You see her in the psych ward. To me, I don't think they were ever really trying to play, is this the real world? Like, I think had they, from a set design standpoint, if everything hadn't been painted white, if it had looked right. really, really grounded, like we were really in a psych ward, I think, but like, given that like, we're pretty not, we're not that far away from like shaking sarcophagus and like, you know, hippo gods. I think they were like, let's just have fun with this and make it as stylized as possible. Um, but I think seeing all those things and seeing Mark's confusion, like, it, did I make all this up? Is this real? Like, you know, you were, they kept you just off balance enough that you were like, I'm not really sure. Like, I think it's important that, you know, in his origin story, Mark got shot. Yeah. And that's when Khonshu kind of came and yes. made him the avatar here. And that is a trauma that Mark has clearly been carrying, not just the trauma of being shot, but the trauma of what happened to Layla's dad. Like, I don't know when his personality split. I'm imagining we're going to hear a lot about that and see a lot of that in the next episode. Cause I do think we're sort of to a degree in Mark's head right now. Um, but I think that the fact that his origin story is he got shot and became Conchu's avatar. And now I think we're sort of getting to a rebirth of Moon Knight, uh, a more unified Moon Knight who really is all of his personalities together. Um, I think we're doing it again. Um, I think that the fact that Tarot is the hippo goddess of like yeah. fertility and childbirth, who I looked it up on Wikipedia, is also known as the uh, mistress of pure water. And Mark is probably currently lying in a pool of water right now. Also not accidental. Um, so I thought there was a lot of really interesting things going on there. I think all the little Easter eggs of seeing the characters was fun. But to me, it really picked up when he did sort of run away and kind of, to your point, like, I think that's how you know we're in his head. Like, he's no longer drugged. And he did heal really quickly. Yeah. But I think that's because his consciousness was sort of really fighting at that point. Um, I think seeing him and Steven together, in addition to it just looking really good, like you said, getting to see these two actually interact, not just in reflections. Like, to see them both... Oh, and, like, that Mark was actually happy to see him because here's the one person that can kind of confirm to him... Yeah. what's going on jake is what whatever version of jake they're doing is 1000 percent in that sarcophagus yes um he's clearly been the one that's been killing people like that's that is the other part of mark that is going to get filled in here um and then yeah i think that when you see the egyptian god all of a sudden pop up that's the kind of the key that like much like what happened with him and Kanchu, i don't think that this is just a we're in mark's head and he's just working some things out he we're in mark's head but he's also in a giant tomb and there's Egyptian God shit going on. And I think this is him communing with those gods. And I think that in addition to sort of going back through, I believe in the comic book run, he kind of went through and we saw like him go past all his memories and saw that he had the disassociative disorder much earlier in life than he thought he did. Yeah, yeah. So I'm imagining that in this next episode, I could be completely off on this, but if they are kind of following the run of the comics, I think Mark and Steven and Jake in some capacity I think we're going to see some flashbacks. I think we're going to see Mark's life up to this point, see him as a younger kid, see when Steven came about, see when the Moon Knight thing happened. I think we're going to see, maybe see, even see what happened with Layla's dad. And we're going to see what got Mark to this point and kind of end with him as a more fully realized person. And we'll probably also find out what's going on with the Egyptian God so that we can get to episode six and go, okay, Mark, Steven, maybe Jake are all working together now. They're a fully unified team they're going to figure out this Egyptian God shit. So I think it's, it, it really is teeing us up to do what that run of Moon Knight did, which is get 
really weird, but do a really kind of fun internal journey of these three characters. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, you referenced something real quickly. You just said a few seconds ago, Harrow, uh, in that conversation with the other avatars there in that tomb, uh, or in the in the pyramid, rather, um, he said that Conchu found Mark because and used Mark because Mark was already troubled. So what you were what you're saying is, you know, kind of connects to that because Harrow said, you know, he's got he had issues before Conchu showed up. So the fact that that feels like that might be happening here uh, might come to fruition. And once again, the, the villains having a little more credence to some of the things that they're saying, which I really love that we're seeing in the Marvel Universe lately uh, with Thanos and Killmonger, what have you. Uh, Kalinowski, thoughts on this uh, back half of the episode, this whole section here in the psych ward? You know, both of us are Moon Knight fans. Both yeah. of us read uh, Lamar's run. So did this get you excited maybe? Uh, again, this is, this is the stuff that his run that I don't like. I don't like the oh, everything in my head stuff. Okay. Um, okay. But again, it is out of that, you know, and, and I get, if you don't know Moon Knight and this happens, that's a huge reveal to you. Right. Like, right. I definitely think it's in his head because the way that it would design of the door, yeah. it didn't yeah, come yeah. together like a real door. And I was like, okay. Um, but again, the, the, this stuff, like I would have loved to have seen, and, and maybe this is the way I visioned it. Like I wanted three different actors to play the three different personalities. Ooh, and when yeah. he looked, everyone else looked at him, it's three Oscar Isaacs or, but whenever he looked in a mirror, when he sees Jake, that's a different person. When he sees Mark, that's a different actor. So it looks like how he would see himself as this mercenary, as this meek guy. But so that's you, were, you, were, you, were, you wanted that Wonder Woman '84 vibe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, again, I digress. Um, but like, you know, uh, but who's gonna have sex with who without them knowing? I mean, Mike had a lot of stuff. He's we're gonna see this. We're gonna see this. We're gonna see this in a hundred minutes. Are we gonna see it all? I don't know. Like after everything he's been through. They go and they open the door and there's a giant hippo and they scream bloody murder. I'm like, you've seen Conchu for three episodes appearing out of nowhere. You've seen jackals and you fought jackals. You've seen some guy dismembering someone and disemboweling him. When I think you look at it and go, yeah, of course. And then you cut to black. Like the scream didn't work. I was like, okay, that's played for comedy. It didn't work at all. What, like, why are they scared? And again, I'm nitpicking it because at this point I'm not invested. Hmm. made no sense to me i'm like why they wouldn't be scared they've seen much much worse stuff over the past three episodes than a nice hippo that's Man, like I hello hope, i hope i'm with you i hope i'm with you one day when we see a giant hippo with dude braids. i've walked with you in west hollywood and i've seen you know shit whoa oh, okay <laughs> you know so i'm just saying um but again it's for the people that don't know moon and the general audiences and it's yeah. i think hitting all the things they need to i will say this and i love this the 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 tomb was a tomb tomb burglar buster tomb, tomb, tomb buster. buster was such a nice nod to the bendis malyev run where oh. mark specter was a uh um a producer in hollywood and he yeah. had a tv show called the fist of conchu like i loved that that was a brilliant kind of easter egg but tied in again to different runs so the way that they're picking and choosing and tying this all together i i think they're handling that incredibly well it's just yeah. You know, for someone that was that, that had a specific mindset for a way that they want, was hoping to see when my, Moon Knight was finally brought to the screen, it's not doing that. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm a minority. I'm a minority in this. So, but I think also, I mean, because you keep saying that it's for people that don't know Moon Knight, which I think right. is true, and I think Marvel does do that really good. But I also yeah. think for the people that love this run of the Moon Knight yeah, yeah. comics, yeah, you're right. You're, I think they're getting 100 right, exactly Mike. what they it's, want. I don't know if you guys remember someone on Twitter posted something a while back they said what was one change to the comics run 
that you knew when it happened, it seemed like a fad, but you knew it was going to stick. And like some some people said like the blue and red Superman, some people said the long hair Superman. But for me, I I think I tweeted, I was like the moon Knight run with Mr. Knight and all the stuff was in his head and Conchu on his shoulder. I was like, this is going to stick and take off. And that's going to be the the moon Knight, And it did. And, you know, so again, I'm uh, I'm in the minority for that, but you know, to each other. I I like this section, you know, because I'm a little bit on the other side of of Kalinowski on this. I did enjoy that run. And I like that, you know, because one of the things that I do enjoy about um, the Moon Knight story and the character, why it's always appealed to me, is this the, is, is the conversation he has in his head, is the conversations he has with Khonshu, is the struggles of the multiple personalities thing. I find such a connection with that because it's fascinating to see that because it's such an unusual thing in comics. Mm-hmm. Hardly any superheroes have that, superheroes have that uh, in their makeup. You know, so it's such an unusual choice. Maybe Spectre is the only thing that's ever come close. That's on the DC side of things to something like this, which is maybe maybe why I closet love both of these characters so yeah. much because I like it as an unusual approach to it. But I totally respect the fact that it doesn't work for you, Mike, because it is going way out there Good. with this with his yeah. natural instinct to have multiple personalities inside of him, which has been a, a kind of a foundational thing in Moon Knight for quite some time now. So uh, I, I understand how, but for me, I like the symbolism here throughout, you know, she's holding Adonis holding that like a plush scarab. Uh, you know, we see a, even a little bit of a red scarab on uh, Layla's bandaid there. What is that? What is that uh, introducing? Or what does that mean? As Michael mentioned, the, the hippo God showing up there um, uh, fertility and the water and all of this, what is this? And the trauma him being shot was the last time he had the trauma. So him being shot makes sense that he go deeper into the trauma um, uh, there in the water. So maybe we will be almost like a rebirth as water usually symbolizes, especially with a Egyptian God of water there. Um, a rebirth here of, of uh, Moon Knight would be fun to see by the end of these two episodes, but there is a lot. I mean, there's a Rubik's cube in there as well. So certainly you can make a case that, Hey, if you're looking at it in one way, this is all in his head, but I imagine step-by-step step, as, as this line from Harrow says, you know, uh, about trees ascending to heaven or descending to the depths of hell cannot ascend to heaven without the roots being in the depths of hell. They have to go through hell in order to ascend to heaven. And it feels like this is the journey we're on with moon Knight, i think that's the one that was really on the nose he is going through hell right now so that in the end hopefully he comes out in the heaven of having inner peace with all his personalities working together as one for the betterment of mark specter overall and to a degree conchu as well so i liked all of this and i actually enjoy the harrow section of this really a lot i want to see this i want to see harrow be more of a part of this more of an element of this and so if they make this turn with him and he is more around these next two episodes then i'm going to be happy in the long run o- overall with how my issues will yeah mike i well i am curious about the conchu of it all like i, I know that in the I'm comics curious the conchu, a, huh? curious about the conchu uh like did conchu <laughs> choose mark because he thought given that the, given that he had disassociated personality disorder, Khonshu would be able to more easily take control of his body yeah, way down the line. Maybe. Or did he ta- did he choose Mark because he knew at some point in the future, if Mark could really unify those personalities or embrace his disorder, yeah. he would be the one that would be able to break whatever is that he's going to break. Or uh, you know, like is Khonshu like I know like 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 the the Khonshu of it all it just seems and again you guys know better than I do but just in what I've been reading in some of the comics as I've been going back and looking at them and what I've been like reading online like 
Is Khonshu really on Mark's side? Really not on Mark's side? Is Khonshu ultimately going to be our big bad in a way that Harrow's not? Like, I think that what Khonshu did with Mark and why he did it is still kind of an open uh, thing that we haven't fully clarified yet. Uh, yeah. And I'm curious to see where the Khonshu of it all lands. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, from what I remember, it's like Khonshu picked Mark because he was a killer. He was like, yeah. you are absolutely a vessel for me that I could use. Like, Mike, if you and I were in the desert and Kanchu was there and we were both dying, Kanchu wouldn't pick you. You're too pure, Mike. You're such a nice, charming, everything is wonderful guy. You know he couldn't use you. Uh, Me? Well, and clearly, he we goes, this, this is a damaged individual I mean, who hates everything, so we're going to have to take him. <laughs> I will clearly consciously really this. enjoy all the conversations. Let me say this because they're so we all know something I, I, I don't want to come feel like I'm, I'm totally against the show. What I do love over four episodes is how much this doesn't tie to the MCU. I love the fact that they're not batting their head. Not, not overtly, I mean, not overtly. You're they're, right. They're not sitting there awesome. dropping all oh, the blip and the snap oh, right, and right. this and that. And hey, did you know that? Oh, look at the TV, you know. There's going on out there. There's a big Hawkeye battle in New York right now with the Kingpins back. Like, this is the one. Like, so many, because I'm seeing a lot of people are saying now, it's like, this, the MCU is so big now with 25, 26 films, all these TV shows that you could run the risk of getting lost. Of, and this is one, like, hey, just watch this. You don't need to know everything, anything else. Yeah. Come in and watch this one. So I love that. I think that's, that's a brave choice of them to just yeah. stick it in their own world. Well, uh, I mean, it well, is the MCU, but it's, it's, it's contained. Yeah. Cal, yeah. I ask you, bring up an interesting point. So I'm just going to bring up a couple of Easter eggs, just kind of wrap up things here for this episode. Alexander the Great uh, proclaimed himself the son of Zeus, and we just saw Zeus appearing with Thunderbolts in a Thor Love and Thunder teaser trailer. Is that the connection we're seeing here? Alexander is the half-human offspring of Zeus, possibly. Um, and also Kang, who is being uh, the, who's the villain of, of Loki, um, there is Macedonian stuff involved with Kang, and we see Stephen be overt about the Macedonian writings there with Alexander the Great when he comes upon the tomb. So is that going to lead to something? And also uh, the Ushaptis of all these gods, what is that teasing for us? I've seen, I'm reading here some people saying that Anubis could be very te could be teased here and Bess possibly in the MCU. Do we see that coming? And Kalinowski might be uh, on to something here. How far out is Marvel going to go? And are they going to splinter the fandom into, oh, yeah, I'm totally in on this, but this other stuff just isn't for me? Because uh, to, to even add more to that, the horror aspect of this show uh, with the um, mummified uh, pre the priest there. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, the horror, werewolf by night, how do you do werewolf by night and blade without horror? I mean, it's, it's kind of tough to yeah. do. So is this a connective tissue that they're kind of, now launching into this particular section of the MCU here in phase four. Um, I throw it out to you guys. What do you think about it? I mean, it seems like they, they want to bring everything, push everything out so they can ultimately bring it back in. Yeah. Um, that's, that would be my guess. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're trying to build to another sort of universe unifying event, like, like Thanos, if that is, if that is the plan, if yeah. whether Kang is sort of, the villain that's going to be if it's some, something else um so I, i'm curious as well because like i'm curious like at, at the end of this show like what is the future for moon knight like i know you guys had said he's more like a street level street yeah. level hero yeah. and that he's also in that group with uh what with uh ghost rider and dr strange midnight suns yeah midnight suns like are, are we going to see multiple 
superhero um, teams starting to form in this sort of expanding MCU. I don't know. I mean, I do think there's a point where it it does become a little unwieldy. Um, But I think Kalinowski is right. Like this probably, even though like I like the Easter eggs, I like the call, the calls out, the call outs. um, I think it's probably smart to have something that, okay, Hey, you don't have to have watched, 26 movies to 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 appreciate everything um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see i mean especially i know after endgame or not after endgame after far from home that they there was debate of like is there are there going to be phases anymore are we gonna are we gonna do this or or have we just sort of created a new world and now we're gonna let all these sort of individual stories play out i hope they do a big unified event because you know watching endgame with you guys in the theater that's yeah. one of the best times yeah. I've ever had at the movies. So I hope we get that again. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Mm-hmm. Cal, uh, Vogel, thoughts on on, on what's bringing up here with the Egyptian gods possibly connecting up to the overall MCU in a subtle way here? Uh, remember, Ramatut is one of the variations of Kang. So is that kind of a connective tissue here too as well? Um, I don't know that they're going to do that. But like I was saying, I do think that, you know, given that we have all these Egyptian gods, you know, like, and like Bast was mentioned in Black right. Panther. Yes. Uh, we think we talked about that in one of the earlier reviews mm-hmm. uh, and the magic of Black Panther is that purple magic and what Harrow is doing is purple. So, uh, you know, there, there seems to be some like, at least I wouldn't even call them connections as much as like continuity. Mm. Um, but I think that the fact that we're really diving into Egyptian gods at the same time as we're going to introduce other pantheons of gods in Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's definitely, even though things aren't necessarily connecting the way they did by like phase three of the MCU, where like they knew, we all knew exactly it's all about the Infinity Stones, it's all about Thanos, they seem to be growing in. Um, is it, is it gotta go? You late for something? Mm-hmm. You late for something there, buddy? Um, but like, it does seem like they're growing in this, in a similar way, like the, like Eternals and the Celestials is very cosmic godlike stuff. Mm. Thor, Love and Thunder is getting cosmic and godlike Egyptian stuff. And then even at the end of Eternals with Blade sort of being introduced, uh, and the Black Knight, like there's definitely a, we're getting more into the magic mystery all that kind of stuff. And I do think it's all building towards something. I mean, they're yeah. they're they're doing a whole, whole lot. And as we discuss kind of every time we come out of a new Marvel movie at this point, because we don't know exactly where they're going, it's like, have they bit off more than they can chew? Is this too much? Are we gonna be able to get that unifying event? But, uh, you know, as we say each, and we said this on our review of Thor Love and Thunder, every single trailer that's coming out at this point, we're like, there's no way they're going to fit that all in one movie. And they keep seeming to fit it all in one movie and people seem pretty happy. So I think that uh, so far, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they have a plan and I can't wait to see what it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Any final words uh, on uh, from you, Kalinowski, uh, as we wrap up? No. Okay. All right. good. I spoke too much. They don't call him the best color man in the business for nothing, folks. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm good, Cotton. <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's get on out of here. That's our that's our spoiler review here for episode four, the tomb of uh, Moon Knight. We are now all caught up and equal going into episode five. So it's going to be curious to see what we're going to get from episode five and episode six here, because uh, I'm pretty sure they're not going to make those available for press. So we're going to have to watch them all at the same time and kind of have conversations about them. And I'm looking forward to it because I really want to break these next two episodes down and hope that I walk away from this a little more satisfied than I feel right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm not 100% satisfied. I'm still curious, still excited. But I'm not 100% satisfied, so I'm hoping these last two episodes do 
kind of uh, do that for me here as a fan of Moon Knight and a fan of Oscar, Oscar Isaac and the and everybody involved in this production. So, uh, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us here uh, for this uh, episode. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Well, Mike? Uh, well, look, if you enjoyed this discussion, if you enjoyed the uh, lilting voice of Mike Kalinowski, and if you enjoyed everything that we had to say about Moon Knight, here's what you guys can do to continue to help us out. Uh, you can smash that like button that's right down there below Mr. Kalinowski. Smash you it. can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page and check out all the amazing content he's got going on. He's got more shows than I even know what to do with. Uh, it's a whole lot. I don't know how he does it, but he does it, and he does it for you. So check it all out. Uh, leave your comments below. What did you think of this episode? What do you think of Moon Knight overall? Are you feeling good about it? Are you feeling Kalinowski about it? Like, what's really your vibe? Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you where you think it's going. Like, let us know what you think is coming up next. Uh, I think these next two episodes are going to have a whole lot going on. Um, if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, uh, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yeah, and uh, much love to our friend and fellow uh, honorary Geek Buddy there, Mike Kalinowski, for joining us for another review here of Moon Knight. Thanks for Thank soldiering you, on, even though you know you're not the biggest fan of the show. We appreciate you coming in with your perspective. <laughs> My pleasure, gentlemen. Because I think some people feel the way you do, Mike, and yeah. I think it's good that you give voice to it. So please let people know where they can find the uh, some of your other thoughts and, and wherever else you are on the internet. Uh, I'm on the internet, all the socials, at Mike Kalinowski. Check out my book about the history of James Bond in stores now, Amazon, however you want to buy your books. That's where it is. There you go. And do you have a match coming up that you can promote or anything you want to I say? I don't. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Right. Nothing yet. Quietly, quietly yeah, studying that, Mike. Yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, well, as for me, you can follow me, as uh, Shannon said, at The Rogue Says. But don't forget, I'm on Twitch as well, the Outlaw Nation. All one word on Twitch. I'll be doing a The Batman watch along later on Ooh. tonight. Uh, on HBO Max, having a little fun with that on Twitch. So, first time I'm trying it. Nice, and buddy. I thought, why not? A big film like this. Let's have fun for three hours and see what comes of it. Do so, it. Come and do join it. I got you. I do got it. you. Do it. <laughs> uh, what are you showing <laughs> me? You tell me he's involved in this? <laughs> so, look for that. Oh, I the other DC and this is Marvel. The other commissioner. Right. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Which, isn't that guy in Our Flag Means Death? Isn't he, Is he? Blackbeard's first he's mate? Probably. He's a, yeah, he's a British actor. So, yeah, he's been involved. Is he hands? Is he hands? It's Izzy hands. <laughs> I discovered him in a Brett Goldstein show called Uncle that is really great on Hulu that you guys need to watch. A good British show. And Goldstein is great in the, in the show as well. Let me tell you something, Gordon. I've worked with Blackbeard and you're no Blackbeard. <laughs> Can we have the room? Give him the room. Give him the room. <laughs> uh, all right. We got to go. You guys are incredible. Thank you so much. And much love Whoa. also to Carbon Health for supporting us and sponsoring and powering the Geek Buddies through the Outlaw Nation. We appreciate it, man. And please head over to CarbonHealth.com. If you've got any healthcare issues, you just want to do a checkup, you know, get everything squared away, please head on over there and see if there's a clinic near you. They also offer virtual care if you're comfortable with that for you as well. So go to CarbonHealth.com or download that app so you're going to have access to any of their healthcare professionals 
when you need it there. Again, carbonhealth.com. Thank you so much for staying on as a sponsor of the Geek Buddies. You're awesome. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode from Moon Knight here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.